Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our morning service. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm number 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. If you would turn with me, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I'll be reading uh, from 32 verses 1 to 18 in the Pew Bible. That's page number 245, if you are using the Pew Bible, page number 245. Deuteronomy 31 verse 1 then says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness he led him out about about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up the nest, her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields and he made him suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kind and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. 
Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. May the Lord help us to remember his word and to understand it. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, you have given us another day. You've given us this privilege of gathering together on the Lord's Day here in this place and those who join us on Zoom as well. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, that you provide for us in this way. And Lord, how we pray that as we gather together to worship you today, that you would give us hearts that indeed truly desire, desire to stop, to pause, and consider your greatness. Consider who you are. Oh, Lord, help us, we pray. May we forget the things of the world for a time now to consider thee. Again, we Pray for thy people, Lord, our church family and friends. You know the needs, especially we think of those who are going through trials, physical trials, difficult times, emotional trials. Some are settling in in new homes and we pray for them. Lord, we seek your guidance that as we think of our needs, we might lean upon you. Oh Lord, there's strength to be found in you. Help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We think again of our missionaries. Lord, we thank you that we were able to have the meeting uh, to consider these people who work in places that we know so little about, but they are there ambassadors for Christ. Lord, representatives, even for us. We can, Lord, pray for them. We provide financial needs, but we need to pray for them. Help us to remember, we pray. So again, we ask that I will bless our time here, that our worship might be indeed honoring and Lord, to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Great hymns to sing. Good to have you with us here this morning. And again, to those on Zoom, welcome. As we turn to the book of Deuteronomy again, it's our third, third and final message uh, on the attributes or the characteristics of God as recorded in Deuteronomy. One of the first five books of the Bible, 
written by Moses, the books of the law sometimes, the Pentateuch. For the previous 40 years, Moses had been leading the Israelites out of Egypt toward the promised land. He had communed with God concerning how the people were to worship and how they were to live. And Moses had overseen the building of the tabernacle and that exactly as God had instructed him. So under God, Moses gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments and all the law. And for years, he had been praying and for and guiding these hard-hearted people, really. And now at the end, Moses, under God's direction always, writes two songs, two songs that he left to his people and that he left to us for all time. These are found in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and chapter 33. You might ask, why a song? Why songs? Music sticks in our minds and memories. You will recall, no doubt, that Bible verses put to music often stay with us when we forget other things. Moses knew human nature. He had an important message and he wanted it to be remembered. The song in Deuteronomy 32 is a summary of the many things that Moses had already written in the book of Deuteronomy. But here he presents it in a musical form to be sung and to be remembered. There are studies that show that music connects both the left side and the right side of the brain and thus helps us to remember. However, that's perhaps why we can remember songs better than last week's sermons too. So before we turn to this section of Deuteronomy, let's pray again. Our Heavenly Father, again we seek your guidance as we look into your word this morning. Lord, it is thus saith the Lord as we consider your word. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So if you would turn, please, with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And it's Moses' song. And through it all, we're looking for the attributes and the characteristics of God. And I will be reading a number of verses, so bear with me. In verse 3, Moses here states his purpose, saying, Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He wants the people to respond with the kind of, of reverence that is suitable of so great a God. Go back to verses 1 and 2. We read, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and 
as the showers upon the grass. Moses begins by challenging the heavens and the earth to listen. He has an important message. In verse 2, Moses declares that the effect of what he will say in his doctrine or in his teachings will be as, as beneficial as rain and dew are to the earth. And it's always interesting in God's word. Did the people know what rain did to the earth and what the dew did? Of course they did. And it's used right here. Everyone knows how vital water is for life. The purpose or the theme of his song is given in verse 3, as we said earlier. Moses is about to, to publish or proclaim the great and majestic name of the Lord. And they would do well to listen. They should get ready to sing the song. How does Moses start? Verse 4. It says there, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth. And without iniquity, just and right is he. God is the rock. What a victorious way to describe God's attribute of stability. And the everlasting nature of his power. But Moses goes on. He goes on to say that God's work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. In other words, God is just in all, in all of his dealings. He's a God of truth. He keeps all his promises, or as we looked at in a previous message, he is faithful. Using other descriptive words, Moses repeats that God is without sin. He is just. He is right. So already in the beginning of Moses' song, we see quite a list of attributes of God. Perfect, just, faithful, and steadfast. And that steadfast as a rock. Moses' song does something else. The theme is the faithfulness of God, but Moses contrasts that with the faithlessness of the people. Surely, if there's anyone who is aware of the failings of the Israelites, it is Moses. Look at, look at verse 5. Verses 5 and 6. It says, they have corrupted themselves, their spot or uh, their blemish. Because of their blemish, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and a crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought, bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? They were supposed to act like God's people. But they're not. They're following pagan gods. 
Imagine, imagine, we said this is a song. Imagine singing this section of the song that describes the Israelites as those who deliberately corrupted themselves. They're not acting like God's children. They are perverse, crooked, foolish, and unwise. They're totally unlike the righteous God. Is that how you repay the God who rescued you, who created you? As I thought of that, the God who who rescued you, I thought of the story I had of that little girl, remember, that had fallen out of the boat, uh, from the, the boat that they were on, and the big dog jumped down and rescued her, how she hugged him and kissed him, but not these people. They must ask themselves this question in verse 6, even as they are singing. They are examining their foolish actions. Moses urges the Israelites, starting in verse 7, to remember what God has done. Is that how to treat the God who has made you and cared for you, he says. Verses 7 to 9. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Notice the the desperate circumstance of the Israelites when God rescued them. Verse 10 tells us, he found him. That's referring, referring to the Israelites. He found him, the Israelites, in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. That's an interesting phrase. But they were in a desert land, in, a, in the howling waste of the wilderness, as another translation puts it. Notice the tenderness that God showed He led them about or encircled his people. God instructed them and kept them as the apple of his eye. Many years later, David picked up this phrase in Psalm 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Some of you might remember that put into music too, right? Keep me, Jesus, as the apple of thine eye. Later, again, in Zechariah, that is Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, we read, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled or plundered you. For he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. It represents loving care. 
so they are to remember God's loving care. And always, he's speaking to us as well. In verse 11, Moses writes this. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them on her wings. See the picture here. Moses compares God's care to that of a parent eagle with its young. She stirs up the eaglet out of the nest, but as the little one begins to flutter and fall, the parent swoops beneath that little one, catches it up and carries it up to safety and goes on and does it again and again. By this method, eventually the young eaglets learn how to use their wings and are able to fly. See, the young eaglets, the young eagle benefits from the parents' actions. They learn to fly. Verses 12 and 14, the song continues. It says, So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase or the produce of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine or cows, and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys, that is the very finest of the wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood or wine of the grapes. In these verses, we learn that God shows his providential care for his people. But verses 15 to 18 show that unlike the eagle, the people's response was to rebel. The word Jeshurun in verse 15 is a poetic name for Israel. The people who had received so much from God showed God no respect. So we read in verse 15, But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation and turned to idols. In verses 17 and 18, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. This brings us to an attribute of God that, that might give us a jolt, you might say, might surprise us. He is a God of divine wrath. Verse 18 states that they, his people, the Israelites, forgot the God who made them. 
We think, can that be? A.W. Pink, in his book, The Attributes of God, writes this, and I quote, What saith the Scriptures? As we turn to them, we find that God has made no attempt to conceal the fact of His wrath. He is not ashamed to make it known that vengeance and fury belong to Him. End of quote. So we turn to verses 39 to 43 of Deuteronomy. 32. Verses 39 to 43. See now, it begins, see now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I whet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and I will reward or take vengeance on them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of the revenges, of revenges rather, upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And again, I want to go to quote again from uh, A.W. Pink, who says this. Now, the wrath of God is as much a divine perfection as is his faithfulness, power, and mercy. It must be so, for there is no blemish whatever, not the slightest defect in the character of God, yet there would be if wrath were absent from him. Indifference to sin is a moral blemish, and he who hates it not is a moral leper. How could he, who is the sum of all excellency, look with equal satisfaction upon virtue and vice, wisdom and folly? How could he, who is infinitely holy, disregard sin and refuse to manifest his severity toward it? How could he, who delights only in that which is pure and lovely, not loathe and hate that which is impure and vile? End of the quote. Look back at the cross. God's holy wrath against sin was most evident when we consider the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross. God's wrath against sin it was displayed in this terrible suffering and death that the Lord Jesus endured as he bore the punishment of our sins. What can we learn from the book of Deuteronomy? Realizing how much God detests sin should cause us not to make excuses for it. 
We should detest sin as well. Yet, people today are urged to, to flaunt what was and is disgraceful, sin. And that without batting an eyelash, no blushing. To properly serve God with reverence, we must remember that our God is a God of divine wrath. But praise God. Praise God. Those who trust the Lord should be thankful that He has delivered us from the wrath to come. How? Through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it reminds us that we are to, it says, wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. My. Go back to Deuteronomy 31, please. Chapter 31, verse 19, for a moment. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 19. There we read, Now therefore, write ye this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. How, how are we reminded that God here, rather, here we're reminded that God told Moses to write this song and teach it to the people to make sure they learn it as a witness for God, that is, as a witness of God's kindness in giving them so many blessings of His patience with them, of His faithfulness in giving them warnings and of his justice in punishing them because they were unthankful and rebellious. Deuteronomy 32 again now, please. Verse 46. Deuteronomy 32, verse 46. Moses urged the people to take these words to heart and teach them to their children. Remember that this same God, whom they are to love, is perfect, just, faithful, and steadfast. But He is also a holy God who hates sin and must deal with it in justice. We need to teach that song or the essence of that song as well to our youth, to everyone actually, as well. Deuteronomy 32 verse 44, <clears throat> it's interesting to note that it was Moses and Hoshea, better known as Joshua, <clears throat> excuse me, who taught this song to the people. Moses and Joshua 
I wonder if the two men sang a duet. Moses is 120 years old at this time. It reminds me of uh, Braden and I at Pioneer Manor when we sing together. <laughs> Moses and Joshua. <laughs> We've seen that the people of Moses' day knew a great deal about God. In our first lesson, Moses said that he is a gracious God, a powerful, personal, and merciful God. In our second lesson, Moses taught that God is a unique, loving, faithful, and caring God. And now, the attributes mentioned in Deuteronomy 32, God is perfect, just, steadfast as a rock, and a holy God who is angry with sin. Now, I want to continue, but we'll just mention a few more characteristics or attributes of God that Moses mentioned earlier in Deuteronomy. This is earlier, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 14. And I'll just read these. Deuteronomy 10, 14, he's the sovereign owner of heaven and earth. It says, Behold, the heaven, and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also, with all that therein is. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, he's the impartial judge. We read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regards not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. See, position and wealth mean nothing. There's no influence to God there. He's always just. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 24, or rather verse 24, and 28, Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, those two speak about God's glorious. He is glorious. In 5, verse 24, we read, And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God, hath showed us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. And 28, verse 58, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. See, he is what his name is. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9. He is generous. We read there, And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. I want to have a brief look now uh, at the second song that Moses wrote, and that is Deuteronomy 33. And we will move quickly through this one. Deuteronomy 33, verse 12. See, Deuteronomy 33 tells how God will bless the Israelites. 
and include some of the former characteristics of God, and then we'll add a few more. So, going now to Deuteronomy 33, verse 12, he is a protecting God. It says, And of Benjamin he said, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. How comforting it is when we think about it, to have God as the one who keeps us safe. This God that we've been talking about. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. He is eternal, and God's arms are everlasting. We read here, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. He's the one that supports and defends. Deuteronomy 33, verse 29. He is the Savior. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thy people? And who is the sword of thy excellency? And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. They are saved by the Lord. God has saved them in so many ways. He's led them out of slavery. He has provided for all their needs. He has kept them safe from their enemies. And he loved them and blessed them for 40 years in that desert. But look again for a moment at the previous song, Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15, the end of the verse Remembering that Jeshurun is a poetic name for Israel, we read, Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. After all God had done for them, how did they treat the rock of their salvation? They lightly esteemed him. Lightly esteemed. God had blessed them and they kicked against him. That's a pretty clear picture. Then they forsook him, their creator. And finally, they showed contempt for the rock of their salvation. They didn't acknowledge that they were indebted to him for past and future blessings. I'm reminded of the New Testament times when the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 1. People were no different than they had been in Moses' days, in Paul's days, and I fear that they are the same today. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says this, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, Paul is not ashamed because this is the gospel that saves. God is is able to declare sinners to be righteous. That's us who believe when they trust in him by faith because of Jesus' work on the cross. No wonder we sing Amazing Grace, don't we? However, not everyone believes. Not everyone believes, and we see that the wrath of God is mentioned in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. The Apostle Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. See, the expression hold the truth here has the meaning of suppressing the truth or or holding it down. They don't want to know the truth. Verse 21 says that they did not glorify God, nor were they thankful. The less we give thanks, the easier it is to esteem God less. God hasn't changed. All the wonderful attributes of God that we've been considering today and in the last messages, two messages we had in Deuteronomy, They're still the characteristics of God today. The list is long. You see it there. Let's say it together. God is, and we begin with number one, gracious, powerful, personal, merciful, unique, loving, faithful, caring, perfect, Just, truthful, steadfast, provider, holy, sovereign, impartial, glorious, generous, protects, eternal, saving. And the list could go on. But those are a few that we have gleaned through this. The following story illustrates many of the attributes or characteristics of God that we've been looking at. And in in two of the main characters, especially, Ken and Millie, perhaps you will notice some of these characters, characteristics of God or attributes. story it happened in 1987 as pastor ken gobb recalls it an experience that he had he begins <clears throat> excuse me god 
Sometimes I wonder if you really know where I am. I mused to myself, said Ken Gobb. There seemed to be a melancholy cloud surrounding his mind as he, he tried to concentrate on his driving. God, even a preacher needs for you to let him know once in a while that you are aware of him. Hey, Dad, let's get some pizza. It was the voice of his son. Dan snapped him out of his inward thoughts. His wife's voice and his daughter followed. It had been a long day on the road. It was past time to eat. Okay, Ken responded, and he turned off the I-75 highway just south of Dayton, Ohio. Before he fully parked in the fast food area, everyone was excited to get out. Aren't you coming, Ken? His wife, Barb, asked. Nah, I'm not really hungry. You just go ahead with the kids. I need to stretch out and unwind a bit. Walking around a bit, Ken paused to get a drink at the Dairy Queen down the street. Continuing his stroll, he kept on thinking about God and did God really care about him? That's when he heard the ringing, the ringing of a telephone. It was coming from a telephone booth at the service station on the corner. The station attendant paid no attention to it. I started to walk on past, Ken says, but curiosity got the best of him. I stepped inside the booth, picked up the phone. Hello? The operator responded. Long distance call for Ken Gobb. My eyes widened. I almost choked on a chunk of ice from my Coke. You're crazy, Ken responded. This can't be. I was just walking by the, the not bothering anyone, and the phone was ringing, and the operator ignored me. Is Ken Gobb there? I have a long-distance call for him. Ken suddenly had the answer. This is candid camera. He tried to smooth his hair and checked outside the phone booth. Impatiently, the operator said it again. I have a long-distance call for Ken Gobb, sir. Is he there? As far as I know, at this point I am, he said. Then another voice. Yes, yes, that's him. I believe that's him. Ken listened to the strange voice. Ken Gobb, I'm Millie from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, but I'm desperate. Please help me. Ken tells us what happened next. She began weeping. He waited till she had regained control. I was ready to end it all. I just finished writing a note. But while writing it, I told God I really didn't want to do this. I suddenly remembered seeing you on television in Harrisburg, and I thought, if I could only talk to you, you could help me. But I knew it was impossible because I didn't know how to reach you. When I wrote, numbers came into my mind, and I wrote them down. While listening, Ken says, I began to pray silently for wisdom to help her. She continued, I looked at the numbers. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a miracle from God and he has given me Ken's phone number? It really was. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Are you in your office? Lady, my office is in Washington. Oh, really? Then where are you? Ma'am, you won't believe this but I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. 
knowing that this encounter had been arranged by God, Ken began to counsel the woman. Together they prayed, and she confessed she was a sinner in need of the Savior, and he was able to lead her into a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ken says, As I, I walked away from the phone booth with a powerful sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of his children. With all the millions of phones and numbers, combinations, only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to call that number in that phone booth at that moment in time. Nearly bursting with excitement, he found his family. Barb, he says, you won't believe this. God knows where I am. (laughs) Two verses of Scripture that came to his mind as well. Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed before me, you knew my path. And Matthew 6, verse 8. Your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask of Him. Did you notice that in this story, that throughout one experience, through one experience rather, both Pastor Dobb and Millie were encouraged and made aware of God's attributes, God's characteristics. See, putting our faith in the Lord Jesus, who endured the cross to pay our sin debt, is still the gospel today. Like the people of old, we must, by faith, trust the rock of our salvation or be guilty of lightly esteeming the one way of salvation that God has made available to us. The Holy God, the Holy God of Deuteronomy, who is angry with sin, is the same God who lives today. He has in love provided a way for sin to be justly punished. But oh, the Lord Jesus paid the price, one sacrifice for sin forever. Our response, our response should be to repent of our sins and put our trust in Him as our personal Savior. This is the provision that our awesome God has made for us. So we ask, what is your response today? Have you heard His word this morning? Today, is your day of decision. What is your response?